if you Mm -hmm. feel like you're not worthy, if you feel like you're not good enough, if you feel like, who am I to think about doing this? Like those mindset monkeys, that's really hard to do if your self-confidence is in your boots. Don't let those keep you trapped. everyone and a very warm welcome to another edition of the vet method podcast my name is sanjay mangabai and i'm in the i'm based in the historic cathedral city of salisbury in the southwest of england and today i'm delighted to be joined by jenny guyatt hi jenny welcome <laughs> hi sanjay nice to be here so whereabouts are you today i'm down in sunny devon just near exeter right on the coast okay so not too far away from me I'm not really. too far away at all no yeah but I think you have much better weather than we do over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hot today. Yeah. It's about 24 degrees in here. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So a little bit about Jenny. She is a personal transformation and career coach who is passionate about helping vet professionals reclaim their identity and figure out what they want from their lives. And the title of the podcast is Helping Veterinary Professionals to Evolve, Align, and Design Their Lives and Careers. And we're going to talk about that for the next few minutes. Okay, Jenny, let's start with question number one. Mm-hmm. Who is your ideal client? So my ideal client is um, veterinary and other vocational professionals, but in the, within the veterinary sphere, um, veterinary mm-hmm. professionals who are not sure whether they can create the life that they want from the way that they're currently kind of vetting or working, but they really don't know where to start that journey. And so I suppose I pick up a lot of them at maybe five to 10 years post-grad. So they've been vetting a while. And for a few of them, they've yet to have a really good experience. So, or there's somewhere they kind of weren't really sure from fourth year in vet school, but they've, they're just on this pathway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but they just really don't know where to start. So it's that, they're often thinking, right, do I stay, go or diversify? Also, I do work with some people later in their veterinary career where they're maybe coming towards the, okay, so what's next? You know, I guess retirement, but wanting to keep having a function and a purpose and just knowing how to navigate that kind of exit stage. Mm-hmm. Um, also, some practice owners or clinical directors, those kind of in leadership and management positions in practices, mm-hmm. but less about the practice management side of stuff, more about usually trying to find balance trying to find balance between their leadership role and their private life. And then finally, I do work with veterinary professionals where they have an idea, so either a business idea or a diversification idea, but they just don't know how to get started with it, whether it's the right thing, what they need to do about it. So that's kind of, I suppose, a few ideal clients, but you get the picture. Yeah, no, absolutely. So what I'm getting from that is people who possibly have had a change in circumstances or conflicted even about what they're doing, maybe being a vet even, and probably people who recognize that they that they need something to change and help changing that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic, perfect. That leads us nicely onto question number two. What's the biggest problem your clients face and how do you solve it? Yeah, sure. So the biggest problem that is something I've kind of named the vet identity takeover, because I think that identity piece of being a vet is such a strong one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you know, most of us, I don't know about yourself, Sanjay, I was about five when I first thought I wanted to be a vet. <laughs> um, yeah. And, you know, most of us chose our profession when we were young adults, at least. So kind of before you've even really formed your own identity. Mm-hmm. And then because it is this big vocational role, 
it can just take over a little bit and we start living and making decisions based on what the profession needs us to be, what we see our colleagues doing, what's expected of us. Um, And when that happens for a long enough time, we can be living quite out of alignment Mm -hmm. with who we truly are, but just feeling, you know, just getting not, I think again, when you've, when, if you are sort of under the vet identity takeover, you can start to forget who you are underneath there. So quite often when I first speak to people, I don't ask people, right, so what do you want? Because often they don't know. They're like, I know I don't want this. I know I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling now, but I don't know what what I want because we've been what the profession has needed us to be. And so this is hence this kind of like evolve align design piece because the first stage is people realizing they need some sort of evolution. Mm-hmm. So that's not definitely, you know, I would say 50% of my clients want to remain being vets. Maybe 50% would like to think about something different, mm-hmm. but they're realizing that they need to evolve the way they're doing it so that it's more in, in alignment with who they are. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by the alignment piece is living congruently with your values your you know what you what you as an individual need emotionally mentally physically spiritually to be happy and also mm-hmm. your hardwiring you know just we're all hardwired slightly differently the more we can line up with that then the, the more in flow we will be um, absolutely and so it's that alignment piece and then it's lots of the people that I speak to because veterinary is also so vocational they really haven't got a clue what an altered version of that could look like or let alone what anything else yeah. could, could be. And so that's where kind of my business strategy growth skills come in in the design piece in, in terms of, okay, well, we've established what alignment could look for you, like mm-hmm. for you. Now let's go and design that. What do you need to do? What actions do you need to take? So it's quite a journey to go mm-hmm. on. Um, and it's something that most of us haven't had to think like that as vets. Yeah. It, it's it's a very, it was a very linear pathway. We know what GCSE is. If you're in the UK, you had to take what A-levels. There's only, well, there's a growing number of vet schools, aren't there? But, yeah. you know, there's, a, there's certainly a limited number of veterinary schools that you can choose from. And then there's sort of like, okay, well, vets, assistant vet, practice owner, you know, there's sort of a few core roles, if you like. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's a very kind of linear prescribed pathway. And so we've never really had to think if you need to reinvent yourself, but most vets I speak to haven't got those skills yet, but they're quick learners and they can pick it up really quickly. So it's a very enjoyable process to go through with someone. Absolutely. So there's a lot to unpack in there, uh, yeah. Jenny. But what I'm what I'm hearing is, you know, is that perhaps there's a mismatch of expectations and reality. When when you first wanted to become a vet, then you became a vet, followed a very defined path, and then finding that it might not be all that you expected. And also, you talked about having clarity for a future or for the path that you want to take from now. You know, I think you said evolve and then mm-hmm. align. Yeah. And that's so important. I wish I'd spoken to you early, <laughs> early in my career. <laughs> because, and you're right, you know, you have this uh, train track system. You're on the system of GCSEs, A levels, become a vet, and you just follow the process. And then you get into it, and then you, find it's not what you thought it was all going to be about. And now you don't know what to do about it. So that's really helpful, Jenny. Thank you. Okay, so question number three. What are the typical symptoms that people experience with that problem? You know, their pain points. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. 
Feeling trapped is a big one. So feeling trapped and sometimes powerless as well. So it's so vocational. You're kind of living the dream, often the dream of your family. So often there's been, you know, not... It, you know, everyone kind of dreams about being a vet. We speak mm-hmm. to people, yeah. like, oh, I would love to have been a vet, but I didn't do this, that or the other. So you have that expectation of you've achieved this dream job. Yeah. But if it's not in alignment or the way it's happening right now isn't in alignment, then th- that tends to go internally. We think, what's wrong with me? Because they look like they're enjoying it. And, uh, and it has nothing to do with competency. We can be highly competent at being a vet and be feeling out of alignment. But a lot of times people don't know what to do with that because they think, right, well, I can do a splenic torsion removal, but what's what use is that skill in, in anything else? So there can be feelings or also massive feelings of guilt of, um, you know, this is more for people where they're maybe starting to think about diversifying in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, feelings of, well, I've done all that training and there's all that knowledge and won't it be a waste? It's not, by the way. But yeah, so quite a lot of sort of feeling trapped because it's such a vocational career. Mm-hmm. And then... The, the kind of that guilt and expectation, the kind of should, as in, you know, again, often parents and friends and family members don't really understand. They, they're kind of like, wow, you're a vet. That must be amazing. And of course, mm-hmm. it is amazing. And, you know, there's part of the reason that we have such a retention problem within the profession at the moment is because there's parts of the way in which we're working that are really not working. It, you know, I mean, this is probably a topic for a, a different version of the podcast, but, you know, with the increased feminization and need for part-time working and people yeah. not getting lunch breaks, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but people external to the vet profession don't understand that. So there yeah. can be that pressure of expectation. And then other symptoms, usually it's things like mental and physical health problems. So people kind of repeatedly getting towards burnout very frequently when I start working with with clients, they're just coming back from having had four weeks off with stress or depression or, you know, they've been kind of slightly broken by what, what's going yeah. on for them. And they're realizing that you know, it's almost like the pain of what their body and their brain is starting to tell them then overrides those feelings where they've been kind of not feeling right, but really kind of going, I don't know what to do about that. So I'm just going to ignore it and keep working really hard. And then yeah. our body and our minds will go, <clears throat> <laughs> and yeah. if we ignore it it will tend to kind of punch you in the yeah. face so we don't want people waiting um uh, for that length of time lack of life balance is another one um okay. one of the things i ask people to score out of 10 when before they speak to me for the first time is you know what what's your level of life balance um you know that ha- having the time and energy to spend doing all of the things in your life not just your income generating role that's often at a three or a four when I first start talking to people so that can be another sign and then it's the fears so the fears people know they need to make a change but then the fears kick in so fear of not knowing how to start the process a big fear of change fear Mm -hmm. of failure you know I've got I've achieved this career and it's not making me happy or this job role what if Mm -hmm. I try something else and that doesn't make me happy or what if I'm not good at it or what if I don't like it a lot of those types of doubts and then a fear of a fear of dropping income so a lot of times when people are thinking about either making a change to the way they're currently vetting Mm -hmm. or possibly diversifying there can be a bit of a limiting belief of oh I'll be right down at the bottom of the ladder I'll take a massive drop in income and I can't do that because I have a family, kids, mortgage, whatever. That's also not true, but it's a fear that people have that, that again, links back to the first sign really of just feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. So they tend to be the co- most common things that I see. Wow. Yeah. And I've personally been through quite a lot of those 
experience <laughs> <laughs> some of those um, symptoms, you know, feelings of, um, I think you mentioned low self-esteem. Yeah. And then there's confusion about what's going wrong. You know, I followed all the, all, you know, the right path, et cetera, and not knowing what to do about it, you know, some disillusionment, I would imagine. Then there's un- uncertainty if you're going to change direction about success in the future. You've been successful up to this point, became a vet, got a job working as a vet. And then it can be daunting to think, well, yeah, just like you say, am I going to make enough money? Am I going to, is the next job going to be okay? And how do I do that? How do I get, you know, transition or pivot from one job role, even even within the within the profession to another? So, yeah, that's a, you know, there's a lot in there. And maybe we should identify, well, not wait for the burnout symptoms that you talked mm. about, you know, get some help before then. Yeah. I... I found that actually, you know, my career is not my life. I think you mentioned work-life balance in there somewhere. You know, my career is not my life. And if I focus only on my, on my career, then what happens to my relationships and exactly. my finances and my health? I don't know. I don't, I don't think vets are the healthiest people. No, but we can feel guilty because, yeah. you know, guilty for almost wanting more. So that can be another thing in terms of like, I've got this amazing job mm-hmm. and you know, but is it okay to want to enjoy it as well? Is it yeah. okay to want yeah. to have time to do other things? Like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to want yeah. those things because yeah. maybe I should just be grateful that I'm a vet. Yeah. And people kind of thinking, well, maybe this is just the way it has to be. And and often, as I say, I'll pick people up when they're on their third or fourth practice after graduating and they've yet to experience what it's like mm-hmm. working in a practice with good leadership and management. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes that's all they need they just need to go get into a practice where the leadership management is really good. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly they're enjoying vetting and that can be a really different experience, but if they've yeah. never experienced that either on their EMS placements or in their first two or three jobs, mm-hmm. or they've had, you know, quite often placements where they haven't had support and then they've been scared by the yeah. hours and stuff like that. Um, and then actually all they need is, is to find the right place for yeah. them to do their vetting. And then that can be completely different. Fantastic. That's really helpful, Jenny. Moving on to question number four. What are the common mistakes that people make when trying to solve the symptoms? You know, the things they thought might work, the things they try but fail. Yeah, there's probably three um, that I see most frequently. Mm -hmm. And the first is this kind of like, I just want to find the thing that I'm supposed to do next. And I just want to do that in one maneuver. And I need to know what that one thing is. Okay. So it's kind of like I don't want I don't want what's happening right now. So what's go what's this one thing that's going to fix it? And then all of um all of that expectation to kind of sort my career out or find balance or become happy is then resting on this one one thing. thing. Yeah. And that no, you know, unsurprisingly, then uh, people's brains and nervous systems don't like that level of pressure, and so we procrastinate, we sit on it, we don't do anything about it mm-hmm. because it's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Um, and actually taking that pressure off and realizing that when you step off that very linear prescribed pathway, you're stepping into starting to create your career with authenticity in a unique way that no one else has ever done based on what you need. There mm-hmm. is no textbook for that. There's no webinar you can watch that will tell you what that pathway is going to be. Mm-hmm. And for a lot of vets, they really don't like that lack of control. So they're like, right, what's the one thing? Yeah. And actually, yeah. you, I do a lot of kind of courage building with people to say it's okay you can tolerate the discomfort of the uncertainty 
then actually you're going to find yourself on this pathway. And it might take two or three hops. It took mm-hmm. me seven and they were all enjoyable. Okay. They were all illuminating. Yeah. They all taught me, they showed me different things and they allowed me to keep fine tuning and fine tuning and fine tuning mm-hmm. to where I am now, which is the perfect niche for me. But yeah, that was seven moves from first opinion, general practice, um, clinical. So I'm not saying it will take everyone that long, but it's yeah. just when you realize that actually you have to redefine failure. If you think, well, if I try that and either I don't like it or I find out it's not for me, then I'll feel like I've failed and you'll put mm-hmm. that label on it. That feels really risky. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you say, right, if I try this thing and it's not quite right, I'm going to have had really valuable feedback for myself. Actually, what is now going to be more in alignment. So mm-hmm. it's that growth mindset perspective that kind of fixes that mistake, if yeah. you like. Okay. Um, the second one is throwing out possible ideas far too quickly. So we might be thinking, you know, maybe I do just need to change a different practice or maybe I need to change a different species or maybe I need to go part time or maybe I need to start diversifying. And here's a possible idea. And then we're thinking about it and then we spot something that's a potential drawback or it's not quite as good as how we've got it now. Mm-hmm. And quite often then we just go, oh, God, that, that won't work and sort of rule it out immediately mm-hmm. and get a little bit too perfectionistic about a move. And especially in the exploratory phase we need to be kind of being in more brainstorming mode so Uh anything that catches your eye like any conversation any job title anything at all that you're looking at even if it ends up not being suitable you were drawn to it for some reason why is that what is it that pulled you towards it Uh what did it represent for you in terms of meeting more of your values why did you you know that that why question then starts to give you more pieces of the jigsaw of okay my intuition is now is showing me that this is the sort of thing I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of, yeah, not, if you're going to make a change, as long as it ticks a few more boxes than the way you are right now, it doesn't have to tick every box. So that's the other thing is just sort of keeping a, a bit of an open mind. It links into the first one of, you know, you don't have to do this all in one go. Mm-hmm. And then the third thing you mentioned the self, the self-esteem piece, mm-hmm. um, the mindset aspect of this is huge. Mm-hmm. You know, as vets, we are exposed to almost like a very high levels of vulnerability. If you define vulnerability as sort of risk, uncertainty and emotional exposure, mm-hmm. if you're in small animal practice, we, we do that 20 to 30 times a day whenever we're making a recommendation that could be rejected or perceived a certain way by an owner. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I did an interesting, I did some self-compassion testing a while back on I did some lectures for, for Surrey final years and so they freshly not even left vet school yet and then I'd also done the same testing with my group coaching participants who were all kind of five to ten years out and had been vetting for a while mm-hmm. and there wasn't enough data to probably make it I only have about 30 people in each group but the difference in the level of self-compassion and kind of self-esteem was was mm-hmm. really noticeable. Wow. And so I was just asking that question of what is it? What's happened in that five years that has taken that self-doubt and self-confidence down? And, you know, mm-hmm. we, we know what a lot of that um, can be. So, again, making changes, starting to be more authentic, it requires boundary setting, tolerating uncertainty, that's really hard to do if your self-confidence is in your boots, if you mm-hmm. feel like you're not worthy, if you feel like you're not good enough, if you feel like, who am I to think about doing this? Like those mindset monkeys can yeah. keep mm. So it's kind of don't let those keep you trapped. You work on your mindset as well with this. 
Okay. Yeah, really important things. And uh, again, I found the most difficult thing for me personally was finding my purpose. It's, you know, you can read lots of books on it, but I think you do need a coach, you know, somebody like yourself, Jenny, who can help you sort out what your genius is, you know, Mm. because sometimes you think you're good at one thing or you think, but you don't enjoy it. I was really good at surgery. Don't know if I enjoyed it, you know. Really? Uh, That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, you said some really important things and not focusing on just the one thing and that, you know, it is about having maybe a list of things, but someone needs to help you narrow that list down to what's, you know, what's really important for you. I think Simon Sinek said, um, start with why. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you've got, if you're starting with why and you've got the right reason, the right purpose, you don't have to see the destination. You just got to be in the right, uh, you know, in the right sort of direction in a way. And there might be a hundred different pathways to get there, which is the liberating thing. It's not yeah. just one. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. Question number five, what is one valuable free action that someone listening to this can implement that will help solve that problem? <laughs> you just answered this Sanjay actually. So the one free action I would say is don't wait. Don't just sit there and wait for this to get better. If you're feeling out of it, because it won't, mm-hmm. if, if you're feeling out of alignment, then get some help and support. You know, there are a lot of us coaches in the veterinary space who understand, you know, the unique challenges that, that we have as vets and veterinary mm-hmm. professionals. And it's, it's really, you can coach yourself, but it's, it's hard because we don't see our blind spots and we often, it's hard to hold ourselves accountable or, you know, Quite often, I find people just need a protected, empathic space mm-hmm. while they figure it out. You know, the the beautiful thing about coaching is the coach doesn't have the answers. They can never have the answers. They just hold the space mm-hmm. skillfully so that that person can, well, together, actually, between you, coach and coachee, it's, it's a very co-creative process where between you you both go into the unknown like neither the coach or the coach you really know what's going to happen if you're brave enough to go into it like that and then some really some insights come out that probably neither of you were expecting and but also having just someone who isn't a friend a family member who's not emotionally Mm -hmm. invested in your journey in that way so Mm -hmm. yeah I kind of was out of alignment for seven years as, as a clinically practicing vet and I didn't do anything about it, partly because I didn't realize there was anything I could do about it. And I was embarrassed. I thought the problem was me. And then as soon as I got help, the answers didn't come immediately, actually. But because I got the help, I sort of knew more what I was looking for, as you said. And so I could hold that in mind. And, And then I started to actually see more opportunities where before I thought there were none. Yeah. So, yeah. So basically, just don't wait if you're feeling out of alignment, it probably isn't going to shift and get some help and support. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you know, get some, recognize that you need help, have the courage to recognize that you need, you know, that something needs to change and there is the help and support available. Find the right coach, the right mentor to help you through that. You don't have to do it on your own. Basically. No. Yeah. No. Okay. It's much faster and more enjoyable with when you work with someone. Yeah, absolutely. Someone to hold you accountable. Fantastic. So question number six, what is one valuable free resource that you can direct people to that will further help with that problem? Um, yeah. So one resource is actually kind of, I have a, I have a page on my website that's called freebies. And as, as you'll see at the beginning, there's sort of of my ideal clients, there's 
there's different aspects. So people need different things depending on what stage of their journey that they're at. So there's actually three things on there you can, can pick and choose from. So one is just a short video series helping you to tune into whether your challenge that you're feeling is applicable to coaching and how it how that might be worked on. And also just kind of what happens in the coaching process because mm-hmm. not everyone so they don't know um and also what happens in those expiration calls because i never phoned a coach for ages because i was like they're just going to try and flog me something really expensive and i was too nervous to reach out and actually i don't want people to to feel like that because as you said it's about finding the right person Mm -hmm. and i will always say to people you need to speak to two or three different potential people so you can Mm -hmm. see who you resonate with with the most and a good coach or mentor should never be trying to push you into work with them it it should be a natural organic process where both of you go we need to work together that's the sort of feeling that you want also on there is you know you asked about the kind of common mistakes Mm -hmm. so there's a masterclass training on there that goes into those three points in in more detail with Mm -hmm. sort of more of the solutions to to help people so that they're not trapped behind those roadblocks and then for those who just feel like they actually just need a confidence boost, then um, I have another masterclass on there that is mm-hmm. around understanding your limiting beliefs and how you can start to get past them. So anyone is more than happy to to use any of those resources on that page. Wow, that sounds really valuable, Jenny. And people can find that on your website, which is vetharmony.co.uk and then forward slash freebies and they can go straight to those resources. And we'll have a link on that attached to the podcast. And finally, question number seven, what's the one question, Jenny, that I should have asked you that I didn't? Oh, my goodness. That's a really good question. It's caught me on the hop because <laughs> I had kind of what's a, what's a free tip. So now I'm like, okay, what's the one question you should ask me? What got you into VetMed or what made you change direction or something like that? Oh, my brain's gone blank now. That's all right. I can edit. I'll edit some of this. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so, sorry, I'm not very good at thinking on my feet. What's the one question? I should have given you some warning. <laughs> it's the hardest question. It's meant to be I had fun. I, the last one I've got is from all your years of experience, what's the most valuable free tip you can give to people? Yeah, uh, go with that. That's all right. Yeah, do you want to do, do, you want to do that? Okay. What's that question that you, that you had on there? I, I, I can repeat it. From all your years of experience, what's the most valuable free tip that you can give people? Okay. And finally, Jenny, question number seven, from all your years of experience, what's one valuable free tip that you can give to listeners? Yeah. Um, So if this free tip is that, as I said, quite often people know what they don't want, but they don't know what they do want. Mm -hmm. But actually you can use that in a really, really clever way to start to build that picture of actually the elements of what you you do want are so a good tip if you literally don't know where to start is to think back over your current role your previous roles you know right back as far as uni really and try and sort of think of the things that you've least enjoyed or that have been most stressful or sort of the most negative impact on you Mm -hmm. and make a list of those you kind of want about 10 but ranked in order of the worst worst thing Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you just do a 180 pivot of those and think, okay, well, what's the opposite of that? Then you can build up a list of from ranked from one to 10 of the top mm-hmm. most desired elements that the ideal role for you yeah. would be more likely to have. And that can take about 15 minutes and it can be quite illuminating because A, you can then check for alignment and say, right, well, with my current position, 
how many of my top 10 am I getting to experience right now? Yeah. It's only taking like three or four on the list. Maybe it's time to, to think about making a change. So, so that would be the tip really is if you don't know where to start, start with what you don't want and then flip that to start to get an idea. Oh, that's, that's so, so important because I think most of it's myself. I, I think I was the worst offender. I knew what I didn't want, mm. but I needed someone like you to help me say, well, what, you know, because I didn't know what I wanted and I didn't know how to translate what I didn't want into something that I really wanted, you know. Most of my employees, I think, over the years, you know, when we have appraisals and things, they can tell you they don't like about the job, but it's very difficult for them to say, well, okay, how do I change that? What what do you want? And then, it, you know, it kind of stumps a lot of people. So thank you. That's a really good tip. Are you um, welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Jenny, for such an interesting um, conversation. You gave us some really helpful insights about how to evolve, align, and design your life and career. You talked about kind of ditching perfect and finding some clarity and maybe discovering your true purpose and creating some harmony between your vet and your home life. I'm sure our listeners will take away some really valuable insights. And I just want to say once again, Jenny, thank you for taking the time to talk to us today. You're most welcome. I've loved it. Thank you very much for having me.